0: Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for November 5th of 2018. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from Uh This week on the podcast, we have some contract extensions that were signed uh, during the past week. Uh, we have a forward. Uh, we have a goalie. Goalie situation is pretty interesting as we both uh, looked at some of the details surrounding it uh, before the podcast. We, of course, have Pittsburgh Penguins hockey to talk about Uh, where we're getting a larger sample, getting a feel for the team to kind of have, uh, you know, a little bit stronger than maybe lukewarm opinions on something. So and then whatever else.
1: We'll see how we go.
0: So Pecorino, two years. So it's five mil a year. Right,
1: yeah, I'm okay with the with the amount of money. It's just the I just think they've got a cheaper chance with Soros sitting behind him, and uh, I don't know, Picker's a little flurry like just doesn't seem to have it in the playoffs,
0: yeah, a little bit. um, I do have to say he's strung together some nice regular seasons, oh, no argument
1: there whatsoever, Like, he, if you look at it purely from a regular season point of view has deserved the coin they've given him
0: but it's really weird that they do have a guy behind him that probably deserves the starting role in the league and why not give him that starting role at 1.5 million on a, a cup caliber team and maybe move Rene out save some money make some upgrades elsewhere or you know be able to afford I every team always has RFAs or guys looking to have a raise and you can keep those guys around and not drop off in the position. What we were looking at before was uh Saros has three more years, counting this one at one point five million and then he's still an RFA? Aye, yeah, I mean ouch. they've
1: got him they've got him tied up. Like, it's one of those things where they're in a great position in net because they do they do have him lock stock and two-smoking barrels, or they have him by the short and curlies, depending on where you want to look at it from. And, you know, the only consideration that I thought of before the podcast was, well, the Seattle Sasquatch should just go along and scoop him up in the expansion draft. But um, you made a good point. They'd probably trade him before they'd lose him for
0: zero. You would think. I mean... Uh, that's what I'm a little bit surprised with. Uh, you know, in a bubble, two years, five million year extension, you know, that's not unreasonable. But when you take into consideration who's behind him and just the difference in cost, the total mess that the playoffs have been at times with him in that, um, it's just weird. Yeah.
1: Yeah yeah. It's it's one of those things where you can tell that you know, they wanted to keep it it'll be thirty nine I think when the contract expires and Saros will be twenty five. So they're gonna know what they have in Saros when it when it comes to it. But I just you know, they're not a cap crunch team either, Nashville, so
0: I don't know. It's just an interesting Interesting decision. See, I I, I would have, um, you know, Renee's one of those longtime predators. But after the Weber trade, um, I thought that they would be open to anything moving on from those core predators that the fans have known for so long. As long as it made hockey sense, their cup caliber team, I don't think the fans would really care at all.
1: No. No, no, no. And it's... I don't know. its I i could see why Poyle re-signed him. Like I get it in, in one sense. But you do sit there and go... Okay, so every year you've gone through with this goalie and at some point he's crapped the bed in the playoffs. So he gives you what you want to get to the playoffs, but he's not shown that he can win you enough series. Like that the final series they lost to Pittsburgh, like he was terrible.
0: Yes, he was.
1: And, and it's it's similar to when you, you get there with, with Fleury in some of those runs where you go it was it was literally Fleury the whole way through. And, and you know, Pittsburgh kept going back to the well, back to the well, and it's like, oh, well, how many times did he burn them for, you know, really good years and they they flopped in the playoffs. So I would have thought that the end of the Rene contract this year would have been as good a good as time as any to just move on. But maybe they've signed him. Well, there'll be no trade clauses in this, surely. Yeah, probably. I'm sorry, I'm literally just looking to see. Where is it? Oh,
0: God. Now, I could see there being a no trade clause. It would be just moronic to have a no movement clause. Yeah, because exactly of the expansion right. Mod- draft, he
1: actually has a modified NTC and a, mo- and a
0: no movement clause. Oh, so, no. depending on when that expansion draft is, they're going to be in that Flurry Murray situation.
1: Yeah, wow that's that's exactly right. Um, I mean, his final it's it's funny they are front loaded It's six years, six million for the first, four million for the second, and he's got a ten ten team trade list that he can get traded to. But the no-movement clause, you assume that covers him for
0: going to the Sasquatch. <laughs> I like how you've uh, assumed the listeners know who you're talking about.
1: Oh, they know. They <laughs> I, know fully well.
0: I mean, that is my totally on board. That should be the team player, <laughs> 100%. And it should be green and gold, and it sh- that's just the way it should be and the old Seattle Supersonics mascot should double up and do the future basketball team they'll probably get back and the hockey team absolutely I mean this makes too much sense so it won't happen so it might happen we're well aware of this but yeah
1: well anything, you know. anything else to add to the Rene?
0: no just um, you know i don't think it's a complicated take it's just uh man i would have rolled with uh saros i think he's uh one of those younger goalies that you, you want to give the net to that's had a good track record you know what i mean and well there's... you
1: get at least league average and this team is a good
0: team that should be all they need and and there's a mar- still a market inefficiency with goalies and how much they're paid so 1.5 for a legit starter i mean that's pretty great Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm briefly just going to go through the Aaron Croak, Hartman, Kevin Fiala. Well, I guess they don't have any. They've got nothing. Like, it's one of those
1: things where if you're going to screw up on a contract, Nashville have the flexibility. The, the, I can't, you can't really fault.
0: I mean, Alice gets a, a hefty raise, but then Rene goes down two and a half mil yeah
1: I mean he's he's constructed this roster really well like I'm nitpicking around the edges here on this on this roster you know Fiala's a restricted free agent so he can't break the bank there and all the other guys that are that mean something to this roster are all kind of signed so they're looking alright
0: yeah, and Arvid, Arvidsson at 4.25 on the Hornquist deal.
1: Yeah. well, It's we funny that like
0: the that. same GM has similar kind of um, players, although I think probably Arvidsson's definitely better. It's just funny that it's the same number with these bulldog yeah, right-handed <laughs> players that they've had. Um, <laughs> so we, we just passed... Halloween so we should probably talk about Yanni Gord ayo <laughs> uh,
1: were you expecting
0: is it oh, Gord or pumpkin this...
1: I, th- I believe so okay I think you're on the money
0: <laughs> whatever even if it's not <laughs> uh, so good young player from uh, everything that I've seen. Eventually, yeah, they were quest- going to have to start paying these guys. Okay, so this this is the thing with this contract. You say
1: good young player. He's actually 26. So some people have got out there and gone, geez, he's only had one consistent year in the league. How can you go from paying him what he was paid to what he is? How do you know he's going gonna to stay consistent? The age 26, it's normally, that's pretty much what you're going to get. So what they got last year... I can probably expect it through until at least he's 30. So it's four more years of that contract. So I'm
0: okay with the signing. Yeah, five mil, especially with cap increases and stuff like that. Uh, It's one of those kind of Nashville Predator deals. Pay him sooner, but not quite as much as maybe um, if you wait. But you're right. He is, like I said, young player, I guess. It's Tampa it's weird these guys had to really earn their keep for a long time down in Syracuse before uh, getting called up so his he's a 2.0 ish points per 60 at even strength that's good so looking at his expected goals uh, he's in that 55% area so really good there and um you know, top-line scoring and unexpected goals in that neighborhood. Uh, not the worst uh, to bet on, you know? No, no.
1: And at his age, you you can expect consistency with it. It's not like those situations where you can have somebody sort of come out of the blue and then all of a sudden it's up and down and backwards and forwards. And it's not like he's at, at, at 28 and hitting that decline or 30 and hitting that decline. They should get some consistent years out of him moving forward.
0: It's an interesting roster, though. Um, you really got to look at. Uh, well, here's the deal: Kucherov and Hedman. That was going the other way, <laughs> other end of the roster. Kucherov, Hedman, and even Stamkos—they've saved millions of dollars on cap hits. Yeah. Um, if they Absolutely. even had to come close to market value. Um. Oh, Dan, why are you interviewing this guy? Sorry. Potash has Jack Johnson on. I don't want to see this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've deliberately not got the game on.
0: I love Dan. I hope he's getting hazard pay for this. He's got a great set of new specs for this season. Yeah. Dan's my favorite part of the Pittsburgh broadcast. He's the only one that's consistently good. No, Mizzy's all right. If you like vanilla and cardboard. Well, it's better than... Yeah. Could, yes. Relatively speaking. Yeah, but yeah, um, it's not
1: a high bar. You know, if yeah, you were on the not...
0: Buffalo Sabers with a forty-four percent possession, you were relatively better <laughs> than most. <laughs> so, yes, this is true. No, Mears never right. gonna He's... be an iconic voice of hockey, or it's just kind of background noise. Which you know, you could say a lot worse we used to yeah um, <laughs> yes we did so anyways million saved looping, looping back looping
1: back, to, looping back to the lightning
0: um McDonough's up for a, well he's going to be there a while Strawman's the interesting one 4.5 mil I haven't really kept tabs on him in the last year I don't know if he's still the analytical darling that he used to be but they do get Coburn and Girardi off the books their goaltending still dirt cheap, so they got they got some room. Uh, the interesting thing for them is going to be Braden Point's contract, which he's an RFA at the end of this year. And They kind of have him, yeah. They
1: they've kind of got that advantage where um, Coburn and Girardi and Callahan all come off the cap next year.
0: Well, Callahan so they got have, another year.
1: Oh yes, too shit. Oh, well they, either way, they're going to have some flexibility next year a little bit more because those guys are off. Whether they re-sign them at cheaper rates or or they they blow their budget there, um, is fine. But then Callahan comes off the year after, so they kind of do have that staggering of some of these new guys that are coming through to be able to pay them. But points going to be a tough one.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess they could really try to get rid of Alex Killorn he's at 4.5 mil for a long
1: And and he's 29 jeez you're right you know the way Tampa have built this team you'd lose track of how old some of these guys are because they come in a little later
0: yeah and it, it, it'll be interesting to see how this gets navigated uh, post-Steve Iserman with, with hmm. Brisebois. I um, forgot that Iserman was on the, on the way out. You've got a guy that um, might have different uh, opinions and viewpoints over some of these signings that have happened. Um, and I'm sure like a Girardi and stuff like that would be among... Those that kind of get looked at.
1: Actually, it's something that I hadn't really thought of until you brought it up just then. You, you have, with, this has obviously been the uh, the doctrine of Steve Eisenman. You then get there and a team that is basically peaking for the next, well, last couple and a, and a few more years to have a crack at the Cup. You've now got a different doctrine filtering down to how the roster should be filled out. I'll be really curious to see whether he stays the course because it's constructed a particular way or whether he does try to pick some stuff off and go in a
0: completely different direction. And if Tampa is anything like how Pittsburgh had Botterell running the AHL team, who would know more about the Yanni Gordes and the Braden points uh, yeah. than Brisebois if he was indeed the, the GM down there? So, Yep, it's a good point. Maybe that's why he's so comfortable spitting out that five million extension. Because who knows? Maybe he thinks he should have been up for sooner. Yeah, but and in, yeah, we're, you're not, right. we're not in that room, so can only speculate. Well, that's the thing that sucks. We never get to be in that room. Yep. Well. Let's see Pittsburgh. What do you What do you think about them lately? It feels
1: a little bit like the tail end of the Balsmy years at the moment. Top heavy and a uh, little porous at the back end, and shitty goaltending.
0: Scott, has got all, yeah, so, everything except Craig Adams. So, my, <laughs> but Matt Collins my question, can fill that role. My
1: question here is. Is Matt Murray a product of what's going on in front of him? Or is he just going through a really big funk? Or is this Matt Murray? Like, do you know what I'm saying?
0: Jeez, ah, I'd be floored if he was a below-average NHL goalie. I was never so expecting him to continue like con Smythe-caliber goaltending that he was uh, both regular season and playoffs his first two. Seasons, um, uh, you know, i i i wouldn't rule out him being above average at that time, obviously, and i didn't. Uh, I did rule out being below average, but we're here a year later, and you know, he's at eight ninety all situations. He's not, and he's not looked good
1: in a lot of games. Like he's looked out of position. He's one thing about Matt Murray that that when he was on song barely moved reading the puck really well because he's so long and lanky he kind of can't afford to move too much because he creates holes but when he's on his game he's like you know a proverbial sort of a wall he doesn't move much the puck seems to hit him um and he he controls his rebounds right now everything is all over the shop and i don't know whether that's because pittsburgh in their own zone at the moment are terrible they can't break out with any speed when they've got four defenders, four particular defenders on the ice. Um, there are turnovers at the blue line that are, are not great, and they can't seem to make a line change at the right time of the game at the moment to not put themselves in two-on-one situations. So, I, I can understand why he'd be a little bit all over the shop. But are they as bad as I'm making them out to be in front of him? Yeah, they suck.
0: I mean, the only thing that's
1: keeping them in games is their
0: league-leading shooting percentage. Led by uh, guys that do have a history of shooting at a good rate. True. Um, You know, Evgeny Malkin, second star in the NHL for the month of October, clearly, you know, on a hot streak, shooting at like 25 26%, (laughs) which, you know... (laughs) That's not realistic for anybody. However, the last two and a half years or so, he has shot 17%. So that's legitimate shooting talent.
1: They need that not to fall away. It's
0: not shooting 15% when you're like a 7% shooter. I mean, yeah, 25% is stupid good and um, the mark of somebody on a hot streak, but. You know, if he's shooting his last few years, that drop-off's not going to be
1: a ton. No, but they can't afford to have any drop-off at the moment. Their top five or six players can't afford to fall away whatsoever.
0: A lot of them have injury histories.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the risk Pittsburgh run at the moment. The, the lack of, of any depth in this lineup is, is terrifying as a fan.
0: So you want to take it through the last week with the Islander games and then the Toronto game? Yeah. So first first Islanders game, I had no no complaints. I thought they kicked their ass pretty good. It uh, didn't happen on the score sheet, uh, and, you know, that shit happens. 82 yeah. games, outplay a team, um, give up a few chances that the Islanders, uh, <laughs> lo and behold, the intermission shows the Islanders on a two-on-one. Scoring.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Islanders are rocking and rolling right now. They're, they're um, scoring a shitload of goals, not with the shooting talent of Pittsburgh. They are a 41%, 42% possession team. They are riding the PDO. Like, Pittsburgh's a mediocre possession team right now. Um, but the Islanders are objectively bad. Like,
1: yeah, but their safe their shooting percentage is like second in the league, and their safe percentage is top five. Like if you that's as good a PDO as you can probably ask for.
0: Yep. Hey, they're they they are banking points while it's happening, so that's uh, really great for them. Uh, it's gonna crash hard though.
1: Yeah. Well, you would think so. At some point, it has to go backwards. But you, you say that about certain teams, and it never does for a whole year.
0: yeah that roster is weird though they got to make some choices they got UFAs like Eberle who why would he why would he stay (laughs) honestly yeah but if they if they
1: get halfway through the year and and they're still in the top three spots in the metro they're going to go for it because they didn't get they didn't change their coach bring in that coaching staff to throw everyone away at the deadline. So they'll lose those guys for nothing. and Yeah, and that's the other thing. That particular GM is exactly why I'm I'm confident that that'll happen.
0: So, you know, first game, the Penguins dominate much of the game. And... Like I said, shit happens. Second game, though, was more evenly played, which was problematic for me. You got uh, a, one of the worst possession teams in hockey, and like you're, you're playing chance for chance with them. Like, what the hell's going on?
1: Yeah. Not great. At,
0: after the Western Canada swing, nothing's really looked good, and then you get to Toronto on Saturday night, and they just got their ass kicked, and Austin Matthews isn't even in the lineup. Pittsburgh, just that was a
1: list, list I haven't watched a live game this year that they've looked good in. So I don't know whether I should be watching live games anymore. But they haven't looked interesting. They, they just looked flat as a tack in that game.
0: Yeah, if the, again, if the top two lines aren't doing anything, good luck. Because he ain't getting shit anywhere else. And you ain't even getting shit from some of the wingers on the top six. It blew me away when I looked into um, Gino and Phil's start to the year um, before the Toronto game. They were the number one and number two points per sixty at even strength players in the entire league, uh, discounting players that like played like a game or two and must have got. I was going to say, what's, what's
1: the minimum? What's the minimum minutes on that?
0: I cranked it. Well, actually, I cranked it. There's not many. Uh, put it this way, it was. <laughs> I forget between fifty and a hundred. It certainly wasn't like twenty. Yeah. So Gino's above five. Phil's in the ho- Phil might have been a low five at that point. I think he dropped below five after the last game. Carl Haglin one point three nine or one point five six. Like, what? How is how?
1: Yeah, he can't even get a goal off his
0: ass. Like, you can't. Yeah his speed accidentally chipping it as he's getting pinched off. And then Gino dances through everybody like that shit isn't even happening for him. Like, I don't want to like there, There's stuff that Carl Hagelin does well. And funny, funny enough, uh, it's <laughs> coming from someone who has no time for hearing about PK specialist. He is actually a very good penalty killer. His possession at five on five has always been good. Even when he's not with, Um, Gino. So, just, I don't... The lack of offense, though, I mean... I suppose the thing for me, though, is that quite clearly
1: he's playing with the other two players. If they're getting point production out of the three of them, minus one of them not making any, does it really matter?
0: Are you trying to Like, it's not like... Ali Mata up
1: there? you You know what I'm saying, though? It's like... It's not like his presence is is reducing their output.
0: Well, if he was to an extent, was... I mean, I do see them uh, setting him up near the high danger areas, and it's not going. Yeah, yeah absolutely nothing. Happened. By like, the way, he I is get... going to score by the time this podcast is over. <laughs> the, the puck is in the zone, and he—they uh, were moving it a little bit, and I'm thinking in my head. Well. Now would be as good a time as any as we are criticizing him for that. They would uh, definitely score. You <laughs> know, would. I'm, I'm
1: down de- I'm de- with that. I can deal with that uh, being slapped in our face. Um, I suppose that you do make the good argument there. If I'm going to give Hagelin the, a break on it, then yeah, Olimata's kind of the same, isn't he? If I'm going to do it that way, you have to do the same for Mata. <laughs> oh, um, I was
0: just, you said it doesn't even matter. That's the only reason I brought him up. <laughs> I don't need to talk about the chameleon. Yeah. Do we need to discuss the defense? Oh, yes, the I'm going to put the word in your mouth, even if that's not what you were going to say. Yes, we yeah, do need to that, discuss well, yes. thing. Okay, so tonight they made a little bit of a change. See, Chris Latang had been getting some Norris buzz, so he's playing too good. we got to challenge him. We got to so Jack Johnson on the other side. Oh, so Jack Johnson is playing top minutes with Chris Letang tonight. First shift, a high danger chance against right off the bat in the game. Um, so here's the problem: any th- if Jack Johnson's numbers do improve, like how could anybody say it's not quality a teammate driven? You know, like yeah, yep. It's only logic. And people will say, well, he's in a no-win situation. He can't do anything to please you. And, yep, you're right. (laughs) But but I I have 12 years of a career to be making this basis on, and the guy that's going to drag his numbers up, if he can, has a decade's worth of doing that for everybody that's played with him, including Dumoulin, who everybody – well. He, he's fine player, but his numbers away from Latang ain't anything like they are with him.
1: Okay, so the the question here is that like, quite clearly, we think that the bottom pairing when Johnson is on it is an absolute tire fire of a disaster. Um, any stat you want to look at proves this. Do you get there and go, yeah, we're going to lose some of the brilliance of Latang, but drag Johnson up to less than a tire fire? And Dumoulin won't I... fall off. Doomalyn won't fall off too far. Pairing him with whoever else they pair him with, and you end up with two pairings that are usable. Because right now, I think they only have one pairing that is usable, and that is Dumoulin and Latang. You can't hide the four other defensemen.
0: Well, I've had my idea of put the chameleon with Latang and let Dumoulin, and well, this. At Schultz would be ideal, but obviously that can't happen. Well, at the uh, moment, Alexia. This, this is the problem.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm down with that argument as well. Are you saying that Jack Johnson is too hard even for Latang to get something out of?
0: Okay, I'm going to say this. I think Latang could probably prop him up a bit. But then you have to ask yourself, why the fuck do I want Jack Johnson playing 25 minutes a night?
1: And probably most of those with Sid and Gino. Absolutely agree.
0: So like well, it's just their defense sucks um they, they they a Schultz injury derailed the whole thing god forbid Latang misses any kind of time well we saw what happened when he did and that was one game yeah He's and it's been it's prone to cl- miss more than a game at a time it's as clear as day when he misses as well you can
1: tell and it's, for a team that has Stanley Cup aspirations, it's kind of dangerous that that's where they're at. You know, Schultz, Schultz will be back before the end of the year's out. The question is, what version of Justin Schultz are you going to get? He relies on his skating ability and his vision. Um, if he can't skate, um, he's going to almost be pylon-ish because he's working the defensive zones, predicated on him having the puck, not having to try and push other players off it. So...
0: Yeah. yeah, and, you know, just, you just, you knew it. You knew as soon as the damn signing was made. <laughs> no matter how shitty he was, he, he he's just like any shitty business or organization. You fail your way up. Hey, it's middle class white male. That's exactly what we do. We always fail up. Ugh. So... It's just. Why? They haven't done really a good job at all at getting the margins right on defensemen the last few years. Total, I'd argue Total that this, failure.
1: This franchise has gotten away with not getting the edges right because the superstars are so awesome, they cover up the errors. And that's been the blessing for Shiro. That was the, the blessing for. Um, for Rutherford, that's that's been the difference. It's it's been the fact that when they've needed them, the, the superstars have been exactly that.
0: I mean, Rutherford early, very early on, did did some nice things, but since then, it you know it's been the same as how his career's gone, and that is um, a wheeler dealer that has mixed results.
1: Feels like he throws darts on the board at times. It, like it doesn't seem to be a coherent. This is how I think a team should be. Should. Oh play. yeah,
0: they've changed that. Like Reeves. Oh, we need to be tough. Oh shit, we can't skate yeah. at all. We we gotta go the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And, and that's that's probably the thing that frustrates me the most. In that, at least with Sherry, you could see what he was planning on doing, and you can see he's kind of doing the same thing with New Jersey. Um, you have a look at some of the general managers around the league. You can see what they're trying to create in regards to style of players that give the coach a particular uh, set of assets to move around out there on the ice a particular way. This team is such a mishmash. Like you've got a guy like Daniel Sprong who hasn't had a chance to sort of do anything with anybody of skill for the entire year. And, you know, fans are getting on him. You can hear the commentators are getting on him. You hear interviews where the coaching staff and the general manager are saying, oh, he needs to start proving stuff. You put him in a, a, a situation where he can. Throwing well, freaking Brassard up he's on mushed. the wing. Yeah, he, you, you're right. He's going to be a, a Derek Pouliot wasted asset. He will flush out of this Pittsburgh system. They will trade him away uh, plus a draft pick. For a defender to make up for the error of the Jack
0: Johnson signing come trade deadline. So he's the, the sprung conversation is nuanced because the usage before they mushed him (laughs) didn't make sense tonight, (laughs) tonight off a face off in the D zone, which by the way, if you don't trust him then what the hell you got him in the D zone, uh, in a non icing situation. Um, he lost so he went to the right spot he was the weak side winger covering and he went to the low slot area which is what you should do however the puck got through to him to the back side and his point man uh one timed it on their forehand it was will butcher so it came across his body it wasn't like a classic one-timer yeah because he wasn't right-handed but and it went in the net so technically you know that wasn't a good play uh Criticism merited. However, criticism and um, that mistake is going to cost him way more than it's going to cost anybody else. That's the
1: bit that I don't understand with the hockey culture in regards to youth is the the consequence of making an error is so much larger and then the um, capital you gain for doing something good is so much less. Like Matt Cullen goes and does something great, and all you hear about is it. Hear about it for is a week. Does something bad, and it's like, oh well, he'll get that back.
0: It's like Father's this
1: every day. Yeah, and it's the complete reverse f- for young players. It, I just, I, it baffles me how it works. Like Zach Aston-Reese, I think, got a hat trick uh, yesterday for Wokesbury Scranton. Like he has to come up and start playing instead of Grant. Like, they have to get Broussard healthy, then get him... Well, yeah. Oh, hang on. Is is Zara... I didn't think he was a center. I could have... No, he's not. No. But you you sit there with... And it's like, you've got to play Broussard as your third-line center. Put Sprong with him. Put Zach Aston-Reese or or Rust with him. Push freaking Hornquist down to the third line, fourth line if you have to. Mm But give the youth some talent to play with. See if they've got it. This team's, it's early in the year. This team can rack up points real quick in the standings. When they click, they've got to get some
0: depth scoring at the moment. Well, you brought up not having a plan earlier and throwing darts at the board. What better sums it up than Derek Broussard and putting him on wing? Like, how's that even a thing? It's like he's trying to show how smart he is as a coach. No, no, nah, I don't. The, the, man, I don't know. You think might be a little difference of opinion between the guy making the trades and the guy that is making the lineups.
1: All right. So as soon as as soon as the as soon as your the lineups, the coach's lineup. So once the game starts and you're being told you got to play him on the wing, fuck it, just. Put him back at third line centre. You're the one out there. It, it, they're your decisions. As soon as you get on the ice, they're your decisions as a coach. So don't don't sit there and have him try to hide behind the, oh, the general manager's telling me I've got to play him on the wing.
0: Oh, I that's just me asking the question, uh, trying to think no, I know why this is happening. Why? Yeah, because
1: you, that shouldn't be happening. Not to say that it doesn't. So I'm running with the other theory of, He's just trying to look smarter than he needs to. The guy's never played You don't have to reinvent Wayne. the wheel with this team. You don't have to reinvent the wheel with this team. You really don't. Like you said, the hard bits are in place.
0: And you talked about Hornquist. If your intention wasn't to... Like, his entire Penguin sample is with Sid and Gino. Pretty much. Since the James Neal trade, you're talking thousands of minutes and then a huge drop-off to the next center. Like, what did you think was going to happen when the controlled exits and entries dry up? He ain't going to contribute to any of that. The puck's never going to be in the crease area for him to do what he does best other than the power play because guess what he doesn't do a damn thing on that breakout either
1: no the breakout is four on four
0: isn't it i mean it's fine i love the drop pass thing they do some people get upset when it doesn't work and and i ask well how many times was it a crapshoot when you just rifle it in uh, around the boards <laughs> like do we really think that the drop pass works less than that their personnel yeah, for the that only drop pass the, is great.
1: Yeah, but you get a drop pass error, and it's egregious normally, and, and you know what I mean. Usually, yeah, well, how often does it happen? That's but yeah, that's not the point. It, it sticks in your mind. You you remember those sorts of egregious errors. The volume of them isn't particularly bad. You might have twelve of those for the year, which, considering how many power plays they have, isn't that bad. And you might get scored on six of them. But you think about all the brilliant entries that you have in, con- in control going into the zone. But no tons, one pays attention tons. to that because the expectation is they get in there with the puck under control. So it's, it's once again, it's that whole eye test, what are the numbers telling you sort of thing. You can combine them together and go, yeah, those areas are bad, and yeah, they've had six six you know shorthanded goals scored against them for the year, but this is a team that's clicking at over 30% in the power play, and they score so many goals through it that you, it washes out substantially better using the drop pass.
0: Yeah, I got a little sidetracked there. But, yeah, I do um, very much think that's uh, a great way to enter the zone, and a lot of other teams are doing it. But um, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and uh, Phil, I mean, those, all those guys can lug it up. And, when, you know, it's perfect to have Latang carry it up like he does and do the drop, because if they cheat on drop, he just goes around them. <laughs> then he's in because of his skating. Yeah. Gino is, is just so good at gaining the middle part of the blue line and kicking it wide, as is Phil or, or even Sid, where they draw the guys to him and then kick it to the outside, and bing, you're set up in control exactly how you want to be. So, anyways, back to uh, what started the... So, something to track right now. Patrick Hornquist at 44% possession. And I've always thought that he was a guy that, not intentionally, but his Corsi and his expected goals I've always thought were gamed by all those... uh, Loose pucks near the front that he just mashes at, so they all count as high danger attempts. I thought the same thing. <laughs> so, those aren't, you know, there anymore. And, and quite frankly, I don't blame him with Shay- Shane or Cullen. Um, but at the same time, if you're not going to play him with Sid and Gino, uh, when Broussard gets back, like, that has to work. Otherwise, you're paying $5 million to a guy who, you know, is relying on some bounces more so than he even usually does. I suppose
1: one of the things with this team is that they do know that Hornquist works with either of those two guys, Sid or Gino. His numbers show that. Uh, Gino's numbers are in fact a little better with Hornquist uh, away from from Kessel, which is surprising. So that whole right side of the lineup can be manipulated when needed. They can just throw him back up there with, with Sid if they suddenly work out that oh, okay we need some more production out of Hornquist. You can drop Simone down to that third line with with Brassard or even move him to the second line and separate Kessel and Gino and see Gino work his drag everybody up magic that, that Sid can do as well. So they have the flexibility there. It just feels like some of the decisions at the moment aren't giving, aren't giving players that you don't know if they can or can't do it a chance to fail. Right right now, you haven't exactly put Sprung up with Sid or Gino and gone, show us what you can do. And if he goes out and you give him six or seven games with those two players and his possession numbers don't improve or his shot rate doesn't improve... For himself personally, maybe he isn't the the prospect that you know you and I are hoping that he is. But they've not put him in a situation where you can find that out, and I think that's what frustrates me the most with this. We're certainly finding out that that Simone can can hang with sin Gensel, but what is it that Sprong's done that hasn't allowed him that
0: opportunity? Well, tonight I when he's in his own end it's um not a confident uh puck handler like even catching passes he's flubbing he's uh mashing passes quicker no patience um for um in the D zone and then i saw him tonight behind the net he did a really nifty through the legs behind uh the goal back out front for a scoring chance where everything seemed to relax and smoother because if no, he's, he... he's
1: playing skid he's he is literally terrified of. i mean i don't want to over
0: right? defend him because you know there is a chance that maybe he's not the guy that uh, they were hoping to be uh, but to your point um how could we possibly know yet yeah and at the expense of what like I don't know, just weird. Of course, we could team could still have Connor Sherry. <laughs> Probably be better for him.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: But it's... you know he he fell a lot, and they needed Sid's high school friend. So this is going to be a recurring thing for year. Sorry, everyone. It's just frustrating. He's 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 got a chance to enter the the Ring of Honor with Brandon Sutter. for being honest yeah
1: absolutely (laughs) who's gonna the thing is though you're not gonna have a you're not gonna have somebody take him off your hands like you did Sutter
0: I just I can't see it no that's a bad 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 contract you know
1: unless the Sasquatch come in and do the team a favor um i can't see it happening
0: Heard the sasquatch call up rutherford and they're like yeah we'll do it but then he can't find him because he's a sasquatch so the deal never <laughs> gets finalized
1: <laughs> uh, anything else about this penguins team
0: uh they're down 3-1 now but they're on the power play Um, It appeared Letang is back with Dumoulin already. That is actually the pair that was on the ice when the goal happened. But it was a Palmieri Palmieri, uh, nice wrist shot from, you know, above the circle, kind of in the defense point area. And Brian Boyle had a screen. And let me tell you, uh, nothing Murray could do, nothing nobody really did wrong. He just screened through his legs up off the T bar. And uh, one of those where you're just like, well, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. It's the sport. Sometimes those goals go in. uh, Because Murray's made like three breakaway saves. He's actually played quite well making the saves that he can see and get a beat on. But uh, that was an awesome tip by Brian Boyle, and they're down 3-1. to So, yeah, it would be four in a row. At least the Devils are watchable now.
1: It does help. It's it it's. I'm curious in that sense that uh, four in a row at this stage of the year isn't really anything to to worry about. But if it starts blowing out to a, you know, a twelve game stretch where they've only won three games, and amongst all of this, that and dimensions. relatively
0: healthy with the big guns.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's that's always the the fear. If you're a Penguins fan, is that they lose games when they've got them all if they lose if they start getting on a roll to you know get back some of those points and uh, they lose one of them ew, it, it gets harder and harder again do we know what the injury is with Prasad is it he's groin again hey, like do we know why I he's yes he hasn't he's not skating yet so yeah okay because I, I don't care if they if they have to wait 25 games to get him back out there to be honest I, I just want him out there healthy. Because when he came over last year, you could see that he can contribute and contribute well when healthy. Um, And he's, like most freaking hockey players, will play through an injury. Um, You just, he's not going to be as effective. So you need him healthy and you need him out there.
0: So I have a (laughs) riveting podcasting, but I have a um, breakout update. The Devils cheated on Latang's drop, so we just skated it, kicked it to the strong side blue line to Gino, I think, who just cross-fired it across the offensive blue line over to Sid or whoever, and they were in. <laughs> so cheat on the drop Easy if you as want, that. and uh, they're in anyway. So it's kind of a good – It was. it's just funny that that had happened right after we talked about it, that somebody actually tried to cheat on it and – Latang made the right read and oh, they there went. they go. So um as far as the Penguins go, no, you just gotta get broussard back because that's the strength of the strength of the team was three scoring lines at least because they had three good centers. It sure sure shit ain't the defense.
1: No, that's right. and I think it is crazy expecting Riley Shane to be a third-line center when you can have him as a good fourth-line
0: center. And a contender. A contender. Yeah. And let's be honest. This is what the 2016-17 playoff run could have looked like. Murray not playing well, top-heavy, not great at possession, although that team that won it all was actually worse. It uh, just goes to show how great Murray and Fleury were on that run. And how great um, Sid, Gino, and Phil were. Yeah. Both, both. It's this, this. This is, is what is it could have looked s- like, though. Yeah,
1: this is a sport, though that you know I think you, you can't have superstars absolutely dominate like they do in basketball and and, and baseball and, and obviously quarterbacks in, in the NFL. Um, but they can have an overall impact, I suppose, when. They have to pick the entire team up as a collective and and move it forward. Like you you can't one superstar it, but if all of you all of your good players move forward together at the one time healthy, then yeah
0: you can have a sixteen seventeen run. Some of those tail end Bilesma teams that uh, get piled on, you know, if they had the save percentage of what the Penguins had that second cup run, uh, not last year the year before. They, they would have gone further, too. Yeah. And, you know, it still doesn't mean it was a high-functioning, well-built roster. So, I don't know. Going to have to see where this goes. Um, middle of the pack possession-wise, not getting great goaltending, not getting any depth scoring. Um, something's going to have to change if you want long-term results. And if you still want to consider them, Stanley Cup contenders.
1: I suppose the bonus is they have 15 points in 12 games. They've only lost three games outright. They are accumulating points whilst we're being quite negative about them. Things aren't that bad. You know? Like, at the moment, they're not a contending team. I don't think that's not to say that when they hit the right time of the, the end of the year that the players that need to be playing well aren't But they're not going to go very far in the playoffs if they're playing like this with goaltending like this like this is this is tankable of a dominant team right now what they're getting
0: yeah and the numbers aren't going to look good tonight either although some real nice high danger just another one as I'm talking um He's, he's had to make Murray he's had to make some high danger saves and um, you know when you're giving up too many of them it doesn't matter really who's in that
1: yeah yeah so they gotta work out how to get rid of that the volume of high danger chances I would say make sure you have the puck so five players that don't turn it over
0: well uh, let's get that memo to the team and everything will be solved
1: see easy as yes um, we we're all we we're all about solutions on this podcast
0: yeah yeah um well i don't i don't have anything else penguins related i guess
1: no nor do i nor do i
0: well i suppose we could go one of two ways here Yeah. which which way do you want to go the, the hockey option. podcast is ending right now, regardless. Uh, well, what are my two options then? We could pause, let people check out from the hockey, and we had some thoughts about um, Big Day tomorrow in the U.S. of A.
1: Yeah, woo-woo!
0: Um, but it's a hockey podcast, so uh, we talked hockey. Uh, if that's what you're here for. Thank you. Um, We should be back next week. Um, If you are interested in global, world, people-related things, you can hang on. We'll have some opinions um, for that. So uh, for those that are leaving, see ya. Thank you. For those that are staying, uh, we'll give you five seconds. I did six.
1: Okay, um, so are there going to be enough people turning out to vote?
0: Um, early returns say a lot. A lot of people have registered, so that's pretty good, and it's up from the last election. Oh, good! Which is Excellent. which is good in in a, in an even better way because. Presidential elections that happen every four years have the biggest turnouts. And Makes this sense. is a midterm election, and it's actually um, has better numbers from what I read. So I think you got some people that are not thrilled about what's going on. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you could sit back and not take the time tomorrow or could be today by the time you're listening to it uh, and and not, you know, what I consider your, your duty as a citizen of the free world and having your voice heard in a democracy. Yeah, I, I still can't get... Uh, growing up in a
1: country where voting is compulsory, I don't understand how... A country that sticks itself out there as a beacon of democracy um, doesn't have compulsory voting in the in the system. Yet I also understand the whole well. I should have free choice whether I want to or not. So I, I get both sides of the coin. But
0: um, yeah, you got free choice, but like people are dying around the world because they don't have like that at all. Yes, and you got dictators and, and winning elections yeah. by like. 98 (laughs) percent like yeah get off your ass and do something like well there's there's a few things here one a lot of people probably do want to get off their ass and vote but they've changed the rules and are strategically minimizing their ability Uh, so there's that and let's be honest it's inconvenient on a tuesday of a work week that nobody does anything to accommodate this
1: I don't understand why you guys can't just have it around the first weekend of November.
0: Well, well, well it kind of is,
1: yeah, but it's just, not the weekend.
0: No, no, I don't. I he, I have my solution, and I think it would be good, and it would make a lot of sense. We have Columbus Day. It's the same day Canada has their Thanksgiving. Right. Well, Columbus is a real piece of shit, by all accounts. <laughs> <laughs> like. He didn't discover America first. He's a fucking asshole rapist. Um, why don't we take his day from him and make keep the holiday? Because who, who the hell doesn't like having off of work for a national holiday? I'm not saying get rid of the holiday. I'm not the devil here. But make <laughs> that a national voting holiday. Encourage people to take part in the process and make a big deal out of it. Boom. Day off. You, sense of purpose uh good good thing for the country people you know might care more people would have more time to actually go and do it uh because right now i'm shit what time is it right now about nine i'm gonna be voting in like nine hours or less So because i gotta go before work
1: yeah So over here, we do it on a weekend, and we use churches, schools, town halls.
0: Yep, we can.
1: Yeah, And we create as many voting boxes as we possibly can, well, locations as we can across the country, because everybody has to get to them. So we try to make it as easy as possible for people to go to. I've seen and read examples of where voting booths have been moved outside of a district. And it's the only one in that district. So people have to travel to get to it. And you you sit there and go, why are you making it harder for people to vote? Like, you know, people in your country have died. (laughs) I, I know it's the rhetorical question, but people in your country have died to allow you guys to participate in this democracy. And usually the people that are making this difficult are the ones that use the defense forces politically to make a point. So the hypocrisy of that drives me absolutely insane and it's the thing that's that's i don't live in the states but the way you guys operate filters across the rest of the world and it's it's drifting and, and sinking into what goes on in this country yeah the
0: populist it, nonsense is catching on in western culture
1: well it's shocking over in europe with some of the stuff you you hear about and, and read there and then you look at what's happened with brazil with the hard right oh uh, god that guy is fucking insane president there yeah and, and you sit
0: there and say that but the the rhetoric that guy's is using is the same as the rhetoric that didn't he say he wouldn't rape a girl because she was ugly or some shit crazy like that uh, uh, it was on john oliver it was insane and um yeah. you know he's already talking about killing the aborigine people on the amazon to take their land <laughs> And, oh, just, and come and ask, just come it. and ask australia how to do that we know how to do that no worries that's fine come and talk to us oh god but it's catching on you're right we for right or wrong influence a lot of things uh mostly wrong lately in my opinion and and, and actually probably throughout the course of history uh you get the fluff version when you're in grade school social studies um then when you get older you're like wow that really wasn't so great (laughs) yeah they really glossed over that part of it yeah it's
1: the same problem we've got here with our education system at the moment some people obviously want it to be a little more honest about what happened back when we got colonized and everything here and quite clearly a lot of people don't want that to happen because one it's brutal stuff to be teaching kids in grade school and two it doesn't look particularly great on
0: it should be done in high um,
1: school, though. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think it should be a, a, a high school subject, but it would be a definite uh, gear shift for, from what you learn at grade school to high school. It's like, we were just told all these people were awesome, and now you're telling us they did A, B, C, and D? So it's a tough one yeah, for the curriculum I mean, to try and sort out.
0: You should be able to fit it in, though. You don't have to do Waltzing Matilda four hours a day.
1: No, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No no, I agree with that. Um, So you know, I guess well we could go anywhere with this conversation, but I do want to say a general rule of thumb is I would just vote for the people you think are gonna help more people than they hurt. And I think the choices are really obvious this time around because the other, the one party has gotten so infatuated with power as opposed to serving the general population that they'll do anything to keep the power. And it's really gross and transparent to the point where Trump had to have a, on Sunday Night Football, which is like a huge viewing. Like, he hit that ad that ad that I haven't ad seen the uh, ad but I can only imagine if all these people are pulling it, especially Facebook who has shown they don't give a damn the, anybody with money they'll take. The ad he pinned to the top of
1: his Twitter feed is the ad that he they that they got shown and that everybody pulled. And there are so many lies or non facts or falsehoods or however you want to try and word it in the ad that it yeah. shouldn't even have got on TV. Like, there has to be... Aren't there laws that say you have to have a little bit of truth in
0: some of this? No, if you pay for the ad.
1: We, we actually have rules in this country that you can't just throw up a false a false claim on the TV. That's the other thing I don't understand about the way politics works in the States. Is yeah, it's all money-driven. It's, it's all for show. I get all that. But it's still... just. Trump just – obviously Trump just went, I can just lie. I can just say anything I want and I can say it. And yeah, I might have to correct myself later on, but then it's already out
0: there. Or you just just lie more and you make people just fatigue themselves trying to sift through it all. Yeah. Because if you keep the news cycle going like he does, no one can ever have enough time to dwell on it. And by the time you you try to get to the bottom of something so stupid, something else – More stupids already happen.
1: Yeah. Oh, to to be honest, as as a strategy, it's worked brilliantly. I mean, I I haven't liked the result of, of what's going on because I haven't liked seeing, you know, the tax cuts, I think, are a really good example of helping himself and his friends out and him doing a really good job of selling what he was doing to the American public. And then the American public that didn't get the benefit of it are like, oh, huh. So he does a great job of, of getting to say what he wants to say, lying what he wants to lie, um, and then, like you said, walking on to the next one, doing the same thing, moving forward again. Um, it's, it's masterful. It is absolutely masterful. And the, the, the media, the press, haven't worked out how to deal with it yet. And that's, that's probably the biggest problem here as well. News is not quite as quick as yours. Population's nowhere near as large, but it's the same thing. Politicians just roll onto the next thing, onto the next thing. And right now, uh, the media haven't worked out how to um, analyze what's being said, put something together that breaks it down for the public, and get it out there while it's still relevant before the next thing comes along and the cycle continues. So is it fixable? I don't know. But it's interesting to watch from
0: afar what's going on with you guys. Well, you got a chance tomorrow. Well, I got to work I mean, tomorrow. It, I'm like... I mean, I say you. It, you know, we we as a country have a chance tomorrow to voice some displeasure of man. This has been a gross two years. Um. But. Um, Democrats historically don't come out to vote as much as Republicans. Some of it racially driven with um, voter ID and stuff like that, obviously. But um, I think it's a if you, if you can't go and show up tomorrow, um, I don't know. So you you see all these polls out and those
1: sorts of things and you you hear the whole people don't like to admit they vote republican that's the one thing i hear a lot when polls tend to skew prior to a vote to the democrats and then the republicans win and everyone goes "Well, what the hell happened here do you think that that's likely to happen in this situation because it it feels like the democrats have managed to get their voters interested enough to go, you're right, we do have to turn up to this because we do have to have control of the House so Trump can't just slide through everything that he wants. But that doesn't mean that the Republicans won't turn out in higher numbers and win the seats that they need to keep control of the House. They only need to win the House by one. I mean, what is it? The Democrats have to get back twenty five seats to take control. So it's I find it fascinating. And I will be on my Twitter feed And online tomorrow at work. (laughs) Refresh, refresh, refresh. Trying to find out what the hell's going on.
0: Yeah. So, I am in a district where it's not very exciting for me to vote. A lot of the races are going to go the way that I would prefer this time around. And we have a governor's race with Andrew Cuomo, who probably will win in a landslide, and I don't care for him much at all. But the alternative would be, who knows, um, if the Republican's a Trumper. Then you always got the libertarian guys that are fringe. They talk a good game, but when you try to get details on how they're going to do anything, they don't really back it up. (laughs) <laughs> with any evidence yeah so like on the surface oh yeah that sounds great yep yep uh wait wait uh, what? and then they'll always throw out like this batshit crazy idea and you're like what the fuck <laughs> what happened there with a free market if a free... kindergartner should be able to buy guns what <laughs> yeah it's yeah that's a whole topic in itself uh, yeah, so like Here's another one. If you're sick of all the mass shootings in our country, if the candidate takes money from the NRA and you don't want more mass shootings, don't vote for them. Done. (laughs) It's not going to solve it because it's going to take generations to do that. But holy cow. That seems like an easy thing if you hate mass shootings. Not supporting the people that take money from the gun people. It's it's so simple it, it seems wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like so, there should be a trick to it. I, like you, will be tuning in tomorrow. Um, the only other thing I have to say is if you catch the podcast before the polls close, I think there's something, um, voter411. And if you put in your address, it gives you your ballot and a rundown of quotes and stances that each of the candidates have so it's a nice little cheat sheet that's that's not a bad crib sheet yeah um and you know you don't have to necessarily follow it in and out every day and make your life miserable following it but it is a nice rundown you can get the basics um most of these issues aren't a gray area for people so you know you can figure out which one's Best for you um, and best for your neighbor would be a nice thing to do, too. Um, Sometimes, you know, I think as I've gotten older, like the whole lower taxes thing, like it's, yeah, it's selfishly that would be nice, but um, when you think about uh, the situation that you're in, versus some other people and it wouldn't really cost you all that much more to, to help um, and then you would have better generations in the future not coming from poverty um, you kind of have to take a, a sometimes you gotta look past your own little time on this planet and, and think about what's best for the future So. yeah I'm happy to pay my taxes it doesn't really bother me for
1: that reason it allows a It allows, um, you know, you get to bring the, those that are struggling up a little bit more and give them an opportunity to try and get a job and
0: then contribute. I think that's the key word opportunity because the ones that get it usually uh, take it, um, take pride in it. It's the ones that don't see one ahead that will try to take shortcuts. Um, some of them criminally, uh, and that's human nature, like can you the game's rigged can you really fault somebody for trying to get by when when they can't get by um quote unquote the right way (laughs) because you stack the deck so they can't
1: yeah yeah Um, and that's that's a tough
0: one i teach in one of the highest poverty districts in the country and when i see kids that get an opportunity they usually work really hard and if um yeah it's crazy. You treat them like human beings; they really appreciate it. <laughs> I don't, and I <laughs> and enough. I don't mean that in a demeaning way. I mean that in a, no shit. Like, duh, you you treat somebody like a statistic or, um, you know, another number. No shit, they're not going to respond to that. So, um, yes, opportunity. So I'm going to. Vote tomorrow for people that will give hurt less people and give opportunity to more people. And no, these um, no matter who you're voting for, things aren't going to work perfect. Um, but you have to be pragmatic and ask yourself which is going to be better. And I think that's what was lost in the last election. Well, you know, it's just lesser of two ev- yeah, yeah. You do the lesser of two evils that's pragmatically what you should do. You should make it less bad. You shouldn't strive yeah. for perfection. And that it kind of another Venn diagram with hockey. Who do you think the voters are that have a problem with analytics that say well this doesn't tell you everything and the Trumpers. <laughs> I don't want to say that
1: I don't want to say that Venn diagram You know
0: exactly what that Venn diagram is. Like people yeah, need no. it to be totally right to Oh yeah. yeah yeah that's a venn diagram and a half so um i'm cautiously optimistic um we'll see if it doesn't go the way i hope it's man we haven't even had any like foreign controversies as far as like terrorist attacks or like nothing bad like huge bad has happened I can only imagine what that would look like, though. Well, fingers crossed that it doesn't happen. With with, with dumbasses, finger on the button. Yeah, it's yeah. Like it's all been self inflicted stuff, you know. Yeah, which is which is good. So I mean,
1: yeah, oh, actually, I... so, something that's sort of kind of related to all of this that's not. Do you think after the election, Waller will bring out his report on what happened in 2016 with the interference?
0: I think he's going to let that uh, come out when he's done. I think he's going to try to fuck as many of these people over and make sure everything's airtight, and I hope that's what he does. These people are rotten. They're all criminals for the most part, and they're all flipping because they know they're fucked. And these people that have worried about themselves and their power and not care about the general uh u.s population uh, your everyday person that's just trying to do right um i hope these fucking people rot
1: so my my question is trump could have just been you know how this is people look at this in, in a very binary sense in that it's this is uh, an attack <laughs> yeah, on Trump, right. whether, he, whether he won it or lost it, right? Uh, fairly or illegally. If everyone around Trump goes, but he was just the thing at the front that had no idea what was going on behind him, which the more and more this goes on, for me, is more and more believable. So say everybody else gets wiped out and he's still president, which is fine by me. If he, if he got there with him not having anything to do with it, so be it. No, he was... And, and just I don't hear me out him. on this hear me out on this though if that's the case and everybody else goes people are still going to get there and go what was the point of it he's still the president and it's like yeah but all those other guys that did what they did are toast it shouldn't happen again you guys are much more aware of what's going on now so you can stop it from happening like there is good that will come out of it even if what most people who sit on the left of politics want which is him to to lose his job so like you said, absolutism is the enemy of, of a result. So you you have to be pragmatic and understand that you're never going to get everything perfectly how you want, but if you can shape it towards where you want it to head, eventually you might end up there.
0: Yep. So I think that investigation I don't think it's lost on him how important it is to be exact and precise with no technical fuck-ups. And let's be honest, he all these people are flipping left and right, everybody he, yeah. he brings in. So he's he's got something. So um, I do look forward to the day where uh, people have to own uh, the wrongs they've made in a power grab. So, yeah but yahaha. fun stuff. So either I'm going to be, um, you know, a little bit optimistic next week, or I'm going to be fucking surly. I'm going to be upset. <laughs> it could go either way. Let's hope
1: I don't have to call you surely.
0: Yeah. Right. So, um, yes, yeah, so that was the political corner. Um, you know, it's probably not going to be an every week thing, but I thought it was valid to do for the election. So, okay. yes, And, yes, and yes. even with you in Australia, as you said, uh, the U.S. sets the tone for a lot of places, and it's important that we set the right tone if people are following our lead. Uh, so I don't think we've set a good one the last two years. Let's see if uh, we can kind of uh, head back into sanity. Eh, just
1: draw draw it a little bit more to the middle. That's all.
0: Right? You don't want to go too far,
1: yeah. You don't I, want to
0: go too far left. You don't want to go too far right. You just need to. That's the thing. Try. People uh, will call me names. online and, you know, again, treating it like sports teams. I don't look at it like a sports team. I don't care what party. Uh, it just so happens right now that one party is just a fucking train wreck, and the other one is um, not great, but less, like less of a train wreck. Fucking awful. Um, I'm gonna always side with the ones I think that make the most sense so so you can ask for from everybody that votes so alright well till next week see you guys